0: As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep. It's a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation to their Reserve Collection. CBD gummies with 5 milligrams of THC. The Reserve Collection is a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, rich and bold, The Reserve Collection products elicit strong feelings of calm, comfort, and relief when intense support is needed. Enjoy a deeper CBD experience with PlusCBD's Reserve Collection of oils, soft gels, and gummies. All of their products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit PlusCBDOil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code HOFFMAN30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash hoffman for pluscbd's new reserve collection gummies welcome to today's intelligent medicine podcast i'm your host dr ronald hoffman today we're going to talk to a fascinating individual uh, who uh, has introduced something called HL Pivot, Healthy Living for Pandemic Event Protection, which is a, a network designed to promote human resilience and quality of life by increasing healthy living behaviors. You know, we're in the midst of a, a pandemic, but it's the contention of today's guest that uh, we are experiencing twin pandemics. Uh, there's the pandemic that is the big elephant in the room, COVID-19, but there's also uh, an underlying pandemic, which is our pandemic of sedentary lifestyle, physical inactivity, which uh, ironically increases our susceptibility to infectious diseases. And we'll get into that uh, later in the podcast. Uh, Dr. Arena uh, is uh, a PhD has a PhD in physiology. He's an exercise physiologist. Uh, he's also, prior to that, uh, has a, a master's degree in physical therapy. Uh, he is a, a lead author in a 2015 American Heart Association policy statement, in which he advocates changes in the prevention and treatment of noncommunicable diseases. There's an acronym for that: NCDs. Those are the biggest killers in the world. Notwithstanding the fact that we have a big infectious disease. Raging, But in the twin pandemics, uh, NCDs, non-communicable diseases, are a far, far larger pandemic. And uh, uh, he has a CV that's 97 pages long, so I'm not going to (laughs) belabor you with all his uh, extensive uh, publications and uh, research efforts. So without further ado, here's Dr. Ross Arena. Ross, it's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks very much for sharing your time with our audience.
1: Thank you. It's a, a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Okay. Well, uh, you are actually were co-author on a paper which came out earlier this year, A Tale of Two Pandemics, in very, very scintillating title. And mm-hmm. the, sub, the subtext on that is, How Will COVID-19 and Global Trends in Physical Inactivity and Sedentary Behavior Affect One Another? So uh, what, it, what got you into um, looking at this issue?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, as you mentioned, um, a lot of my work has been in healthy living or as we call it, healthy living medicine, uh, focused on prior to COVID-19 and the pandemic we're currently in, uh, focused on chronic disease prevention and treatment. So using healthy living and physical activity to prevent a chronic disease diagnosis or associated risk factors. And if you do have a a diagnosis of one or more chronic conditions, Um, adopting healthy lifestyle behaviors, becoming more physically active uh, is, is something that is of of paramount importance as the, the literature over several decades has borne out. Uh, But then, you know, we started to think about our, our group, uh, our small group, which has grown now considerably, and we'll get into HL pivot more uh, later on, I I assume, Um, you know, we started to, think about, well, uh, we were already, we already are a physically inactive, sedentary, global population, if you will. And there has been uh, a lot written about that, uh, a lot of concern about that pattern uh, focused on chronic disease. And then uh, when the COVID pandemic hit, and we started to think about well, everyone's life is changing and with the necessary social distancing and, uh, lockdowns and stay at home, uh, orders, uh, a lot of concern began to arise about what is this going to do, uh, to the already low physical activity patterns. And, and, uh, and that's what that, that commentary was, was primarily about this kind of, Sounding the alarm that this is, you know, we may be setting a new low standard that we may never dig out of, you know, once once the pandemic is over and we somewhat return back to normal activities, which we're starting to do to a degree, although it's complicated by variants and further outbreaks, uh, will people become used to a new sedentary level? And what will that do in the coming decades for chronic disease, uh, risk and diagnoses and outcomes will get even worse. And since that time, since we wrote that paper, there have been numerous uh, survey studies from around the world, showing just that that uh, physical activity, moving more, uh, you know, overall, uh, has dropped substantially during during the COVID pandemic. So now we're all holding our breath, you know, wondering, okay, what's next? Are, uh, is this going to become the new norm? Are we, are we going to get back to the physical activity patterns, which were woefully low before the pandemic? And then how do we start to reinvigorate, you know, our, our, our goals, the U.S. physical activity guidelines, the World Health Organization guidelines to get the, the global population to, to be more physically active? So that was kind of the the background of that that editorial, and it, the, the concerns we expressed there did are bearing out that, that the world is not as physically active as it was prior to the pandemic.
0: Well, I'm going to share some statistics from uh, the article that you co-authored. It says, according to the World Health Organization, 31% of individuals 15 years or older are physically inactive. Approximately 3.2 million deaths per year are attributed to this unhealthy lifestyle behavior. Uh, the cost worldwide, $53.8 billion hit to the healthcare system. This is in 2013, you know, many mm-hmm. years prior to COVID. So COVID has only exacerbated things. Deaths attributable to physical activity cost another $13.7 billion in productivity losses, result in 13.4 million disability-adjusted life years globally. That is a statistic which means years loss to disability. It's a statistical uh, uh, kind of uh, estimate. Um, So (laughs) it's a big, big, big problem. And it seems that uh, COVID is, is only making things worse. But uh, it seems that there's there's sort of a, you know, just as, you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, it may be that COVID-19 is increasing health uh, uh, inactivity disparities. They're the haves and the have-nots. There's some, you know, zealous people who've been ingenious and determined and have, you know, gotten outside and got, developed workarounds to... Uh, to increase or maintain their high level of physical activity. Uh, but others have succumbed to, uh, you know, uh, just inertia and you know, perhaps some degree of despair and depression and, you know, all the fast food that you can order through DoorDash and, uh, you know, lots and lots of Netflix offerings. And so, you know, things have gotten worse for a substantial proportion of the population.
1: You make an excellent point with that. And, uh, and we're starting to, uh, to write about that as a group that, and using the um, the approach or the context of social justice and healthy living uh, and, and discussing, you know, those underrepresented underrepresented and uh, in underserved communities uh, and what's happening there. So when you look at the covid data that's come from New York and Chicago uh, and the hospitalization and uh, the mortality rates, they are woefully higher in seeing in those communities the data from New York and Chicago that uh, and and other places that the hospitalization rate and and the mortality rate from COVID are are also higher in those communities, so there is an even greater concern uh, with what happens to lifestyle in in the communities that were already at uh, even lower levels. So you made the point about in in the haves and have nots, and and yes, and and. Individuals that have greater opportunities and access uh, to to be creative, they have uh, the, those individuals have found ways to be active. But it's it's those other communities that become an even greater concern. And we're we're starting to focus on that even even more now.
0: Is there evidence that uh, individuals who exercise less are more prone to uh, not just acquiring COVID, because you know anyone is vulnerable, even a you know professional athlete, uh, but that they're more likely to experience serious consequences of
1: COVID. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, this is a fascinating area, and it's it's interesting how quickly uh, the publications and, and the and the record has uh, evolved in these areas. So initially, you know, you'd see these theoretical review papers on the importance of. Uh, being physically active from an immune function perspective, uh, to afford you some resistance to acquiring, uh, COVID infection. Um, I'm not sure there's data on that, uh, you know, that you are protected from being affected, infected or contracting COVID, but we are starting to see papers now, uh, there Kaiser Permanente paper, a large one that just came out, there was an even larger, uh, A study published uh, from the UK Biobank uh, and uh, showing, you know, they looked at uh, COVID individuals who um, uh, contracted uh, were infected with COVID-19 and demonstrating that uh, those who reported being physically active, uh, either, you know, they classified as reaching the, the physical activity guidelines, let's say 150 minutes or more of moderate physical activity a week having some level of physical activity, but not meeting those those levels and then leading a sedentary lifestyle. When you look at the sedentary group, they were at a significantly higher risk uh, for hospitalization and increased severity of infection with COVID-19. So we are, you know, the, the, the theoretical rationale to say if you exercise, if you are if you lead a healthy lifestyle and you acquire uh, an infection, or, you know, a viral infection, you are protected from, you know, a more severe course, and and that's starting to uh, starting to look true. Uh, there was another study from um, Henry Ford Clinic that looked at exercise capacity estimated from uh, treadmill speed and grade, and they looked within their registry of those who uh, were infected with COVID and and showed like reporting physical activity. Uh, or higher levels. If you uh, if you have a higher exercise capacity, you also had a significantly lower risk of of uh, increased COVID severity. So we're I'm sure we're going to see more papers in this area. But there you're, you're starting to see this literature come out. That's not it's not surprising. It's consistent with the chronic disease literature. There's also literature on uh, influenza. The you know the seasonal influenza that if you're mm-hmm physically fit, you're, you're protected as well to some degree. Uh, and and so, yes, there, the evidence is starting to come out to demonstrate that that uh, physical fitness is important in, in this current era as well with viral infections.
0: And, and you're an exercise physiologist, so you probably understand some of the underlying mechanisms by which uh, exercise may confer protection against infectious diseases. Uh, so, you know, number one, there may be a direct effect on immunity. Uh, you know, obviously like too much exercise, you know, ultramarathons, you know, sometimes ultramarathoners develop, develop a, a respiratory infection in the aftermath of their exertions, but uh, moderate amounts of physical activity seem to enhance the immune response. Then there's the effect on the comorbidities like diabetes and hypertension. Exercise tends to push against those. There's also, uh, you know, your cardio respiratory capacity, you know, if you're, uh, huffing and puffing because you have uh, pneumonia, uh, and you have some reserve, you're more likely to survive if you have better you know, breathing capacity and tissue oxygenation, you know, that's part of it. And then it, there's even something on the microbiome. So there seems to be, you know, it's like you know, we've heard the expression, take your microbiome for a run, it actually may improve yeah. the condition of your microbiome. So you know, the, uh, are these some of the mechanisms that underlie exercises effect on immunity?
1: Yes, uh, well, it, it, and, and resiliency, if you will, that yeah. it is, it's multifactorial. Uh, and there is the direct enhancement on on the immune system. But you know, you, you, you hit the uh, hit the nail right on the head with what we're seeing with COVID-19. You know, who, who is the greatest risk for hospitalization and, and mortality? It's those with one or more uh, chronic disease diagnoses, associated risk factors. So obesity, hypertension, uh, you know, all, all of the things we were concerned about with respect to premature mortality from, say, cardiovascular disease or diabetes. These are the things that really raise the red flag uh, for, um, for COVID severity. And what is, and we've known this for decades, what is the way out of the chronic disease pandemic, if you will, because that was, has also been characterized as a pandemic. It's healthy lifestyle. It's, it's being physically active. It's maintaining a healthy body weight. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's eating, you know, a nutritious or consuming a nutritious diet and not smoking. Uh, So so you're right. It's it's the it's the direct effect on the immune system. And then it is uh, minimizing the potential for being obese, being hypertensive, having diabetes, having other chronic conditions uh, that comes through a healthy lifestyle that that protects you seemingly from from COVID-19 and the severity associated with it. So now we're starting to you know, we talk about pandemics. Uh, we're starting to write about this, and we we have a couple of publications more recently in characterizing this phenomenon that we're living in as a syndemic, wh- which mm-hmm. is defined as you know two or more conditions that negatively impact each other, uh, and so you have the unhealthy lifestyle phenotype, you have chronic disease uh, and its associated risk factors, and you have COVID nineteen and the viral pandemic. They are clearly interacting with each other and, and in a negative way. And also uh, syndemic, uh, the, defi- the definition in, of syndemics and, and how it's been written about uh, also talks about a social context to it. And we, you know, you kind of alluded to that before that these, uh, these underserved, uh, underrepresented communities are being hardest hit. So you could also think about the syndemic in that context as well, that unhealthy lifestyle, Chronic disease burden, uh, COVID nineteen pandemic burden, uh, and and having that social context to it, which is is really the 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 troubling the most troubling phenotype.
0: It, it, there's, so there's it's kind of a vicious uh, cycle. Uh, you know, people might push back on this and say, "Well, you know, exercise uh, is uh, associated with you know, spelt individuals who are able to." uh, undertake exercise and, you know, continuously employ it as part of their lifestyle. Uh, could it be that, uh, exercise deficiency, uh, is simply a marker for people who have lapsed into, uh, obesity, uh, and, uh, you know, chronic disease and, you know, thus can't even, uh, manage to undertake an exercise program. That's, that's reverse causation, in other words.
1: Right. Yeah, it, it's well, I think, you, you know, when you I have a couple of points about about that and the amount of exercise. But when you think about what gets uh, the majority of individuals to that point of debilitating uh, levels of excess body mass, uh, you know, osteoarthritic conditions, chronic disease diagnoses that limit you, it it. It for the majority of people is that unhealthy lifestyle phenotype for decades prior mm-hmm. to that. And so, uh, you know, it, clearly and, and that's you mentioned, the 2015 uh, statement. Uh, we've written a lot about this, that changing the paradigm to our health system where we, you know, we still to a degree, although we're trying to to get out of it and think about it differently. And, and there's steps towards that. But we still, to a large degree, particularly in the United States and other, other countries as well, live in this reactionary healthcare system where something very bad has to happen to you. Wh- and then healthcare kicks in. Or you have risk factors that, you know, have progressed so far, you seek out, uh, healthcare. And, and, and it's, it's not too late. I never want to say it's too late because it's not. But but that's not really a winning model, and we've we realize that with healthcare expenditures, and you mentioned the cost of being physically inactive. So we're starting to think about this preventative model. How do we think about healthcare uh, in a way where it's delivered, where people work, live, go to school, et cetera, you know, play and those types of things, and creating this healthy living lifestyle and getting healthy living medicine delivered to them, or uh, encouraging them to take on a, on a daily basis so that, you know, OB the, the likelihood of developing obesity, the likelihood of, of these other, um, these other, uh, significant health concerns don't develop. So there's, there's that aspect, but then you also raise an important point about uh, the perception, you know, right, we have a, uh, a sedentary population on a global scale. We have poor nutrition on a global scale. Uh, and, and then we have the guidelines and the evidence. And I have been concerned for some time about the the message and I don't think it's intentional, but it's, uh, well, uh, you should exercise 150 minutes or more per week. You should eat, uh, consume five or more fruits and vegetables per day. Uh, And so how are individuals who are so far in the, you know, behind on that, if you will, how do they view their capability to achieve that? And and does that leave individuals perpetually not even contemplating a change because they think, well, if, you know, if this is what I need to do to be held, you know, to make a, a meaningful change, It's just not realistic. It's like a
0: yawning chasm, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But you look at the evidence that has been out there for years uh, on the physical activity side. And and now we're starting to see it more and more. And it's actually starting to be broken apart into this. uh, It's not only uh, leisure time, physical exercise programs, but it's walking. It's sitting less, you know, just breaking up prolonged sitting time. And and getting to this message, which is also in the 2018 U.S. Physical Activity Guidelines, all they talk, they talk about the ideal, but an overarching message and the the WHO guidelines, same thing, move more, sit less at all costs because we're learning. uh, Well, I think we have learned already. I think the evidence has been there that any replacement of a sedentary lifestyle with movement of any intensity is beneficial for your health. And if we could just get that messaging out to the population, would we start to be see behavior change on a much broader scale? You don't even have to lose weight. But if you and, and if you had excess body mass, if you just sat less and moved more, the data shows you can have significant health benefits associated with that significantly lower risk for for adverse events. And even in the in the COVID papers on physical activity that we talked about uh just a, a few minutes ago they break up ideal uh, uh some level of physical activity yeah, i think in, it's in
0: quartiles in other words like yeah. 20 feet you know each uh there's a quarter of the you know on the activity scale that from the least to the most and then a couple of intermediate levels
1: yes yeah. and so what you see is that that there is Y- yes, the, the greatest reduction in risk is with the 150 minutes or more of self-reported physical activity. But there was still a significant, statistically significant difference between the sedentary and some physical activity. So I, I pushed this for some time now of getting get the message of move more and sit less. And I, I talk about this a lot. This one example, this paper always has stuck with me. Uh, it, it was a uh, looking at, women of varying, uh, varying levels of physical activity, physical activity habits. And they did, uh, it was a, a qualitative study and they did interviews, structured interviews on what were barriers to physical activity. And one low level activity person said, and I quote, walking my dog is a barrier for me to be more physically active. How many people think that way that they don't understand (laughs) that moving more and sitting less is of great benefit. And and not looking at the, they don't have to run a marathon, but they should move more and sit less. And now more than ever, what we're seeing with COVID, I really strongly feel we need to very aggressively change our message with healthy lifestyle and physical activity to one of move more and sit less. And if you can continue to do it and you reach the ideal guidelines, great. But if not, just continue to move more and sit less throughout the day.
0: Okay. Well, on that note, let's pause because we've got a lot more to talk about. Uh, in part two, I want to focus on your efforts uh, with HL Pivot. We're going to find out what that uh, network is all about and how it uh, seeks to influence uh, the way that healthcare is delivered in a more preventive way. Our guest is Dr. Ross Arena. Uh, he's a professor of physiology uh, at, uh, Northwestern University.
1: Uh, Actually, it's, uh, it's uh, University of Illinois at Chicago. Sorry. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. You were, you were there. <laughs> and, uh, uh, author of, uh, a fascinating article, a tale of two pandemics, how will COVID-19 and global trends and in physical inactivity and sedentary behavior affect one another? I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.